Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian and today I am joined by Jenica Belenka from NIOSH in Pittsburgh. She wrote a very interesting article that we're going to be talking about and we'll get into that a little bit later. But Jenica, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Yeah, really well, really well. And uh, we're recording this during the pandemic and hopefully that's not too disruptive to you and your research and your work. You know, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but we've found ways to talk to people remotely and always moving forward. So it's been good. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're discovering that a lot of our conversations don't have to be face to face. And a lot of our um, phone calls can be emails and a lot of the emails can be text messages and things like that. And it, it definitely will change the way we do business. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Jenica, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thanks. I mean, thanks for the opportunity uh, to come on and talk with you. Um, I am a biomechanical engineer. Um, I've worked for NIOSH for about nine years now in the Pittsburgh Mining Research Division. Uh, I work generally in the human factors area. Um, I went to school um, at the University of Pittsburgh. I got my uh, undergraduate there and my master's degrees in bioengineering uh, and mechanical engineering, actually, and then mm -hmm. actually started at NIOSH right after that. So it's um, it's been a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed working there. Oh, that, that's great. And uh, you, you just mentioned the term human factors, and I'm a little bit familiar with that. Like if you... If, if you grow up all the time having a gear shift lever on the right-hand side and suddenly the gear shift is on the left side and the emergency brake is where the gear shift used to be, you're going to have a lot of people putting on the brake instead of shifting. So is how, how I mean, that's, that's just one example, but what do you mean by human factors? Yeah, that's right. Um, getting used to things is definitely a piece to it. Um, we focus in a lot on equipment design kind of like that, whether it's habitual design where you're familiar with, like you just described a certain configuration or just even designing equipment to fit human capabilities. You don't wanna design a lever that takes more strength than most people have to to move it, right? Because then they're not gonna be able to use your equipment. Yeah. Um, you know, we also look at how things are labeled and how things are laid out. There, you know, there's certainly things of over labeling and there's definitely under labeling. You have to know, you know, what things are, what they do. Um, and even just designing how things work. Uh, a lot of times in mining, especially some of the projects that I've worked on, uh, we've been talking about people hating like beeping. There's too many things that beep at me. I don't know what they're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's really human factors too, right? It's designing it so if when that alarm goes off you need to know what it does and it should go off appropriately so that's part of what we're looking into um, with some of the systems some of the previous research we had done is related to 
proximity detection and collision avoidance systems, very similar to that idea. Oh, okay, okay. And the, the article you wrote, it was in a, uh, it was in uh, Mining Metallurgy and Exploration um, this year, and I don't recall what month it was, uh, February. And the title of the article is Why Do Haul Truck Fatal Accidents Keep Occurring? And you go into some statistics about uh, the percentage of fatalities that involve uh, truck haulage. And it's, it seems like a really interesting piece of research. And what, what inspired you and your co-authors to pursue this? Yeah, so this paper is a part of a larger project that we're doing at NIOSH to look at just um, health and safety issues around haul trucks. And this was, a lot of it was inspired just by the continued elevated um, fatal accidents and powered haulage. Um, that was one of MSHA's initiatives over the last couple years. And it's really been a continual problem in the mining industry. It historically, powered haulage has accounted historically for 50% of the fatal accidents every year, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, and within that, you know, haul trucks uh, account for the most, most of those accidents. You know, you have a lot of different moving equipment that also comes under powered haulage as well as conveyors, but haul trucks um, were a particularly big category. And because of the kind of catastrophic failures you may see with them, you know, they're very salient to a lot of people. So that was something we wanted to look into, you know, and see if we could more sort of systematically understand because with its continual, you know, elevated level of fatal accidents, people had to have been working on this and have done a lot of great work throughout the years, but it hasn't changed those fatal rates. So um, that kind of motivated us to take another look. Yeah, yeah. And you teamed with uh, people in Brisbane to do this research. How did that occur? And what what uh, value did you find in teaming with somebody so far away from where you are? Yeah, so um, we actually worked with uh, Dr. Robin Burgess Limerick. Um, he is a professor out at the University of Queensland, and um, we've worked with him in the past. He actually has done some different contract work with NIOSH, and he's um, one of the great uh, human factors researchers in the mining industry. Um, he does a lot of you know good work with the different groups that we've worked with um, in the past, and. Um, we just thought it was uh, would be really interesting to work with him because he does have expertise in accident um, analysis. He's done a lot of work with this bow tie methodology that we use in the paper to really uh, break down uh, the fatal accidents and looking at the controls in place. So his expertise in looking at accidents that way was really helpful. And I also think just getting uh, an additional perspective on accidents and what we can do to sort of identify those controls or problems um, that led to them from the root cause as well as just also mitigating um, sorry as well as um, the mitigating and preventative controls that you know could be put in place so so that was really I think interesting and helped us in our professional discussion of these accidents yeah yeah excellent um, I, I'm vaguely familiar with what a bow tie analysis is and i know it can uh, it can result in 
thousands or even more outcomes. And maybe you could mm -hmm. describe a bow tie analysis for us. Yeah, sure. So the analysis is a way of looking at an accident, identifying the causes, so any sort of possible causes or hazards, basically uncontrolled hazards that were present in the situation. Um, the initiating event is kind of that center of the bow tie. So all of these causes lead into this initiating event, which then come into the outcome. For this particular one that we focused on for this paper, you know, we were just focusing on that fatal outcome. Um, but yeah, you can go back up into many, many outcomes. Um, and then in between, um, you've got your preventative and mitigative controls. So for all of those causes or those uncontrolled hazards that are in the situation, there are some controls that could have been in place that would have prevented the accident from happening, prevented you from getting to that initiating event. Mm. Um, so, you know, and, and we're looking at something from a causes standpoint, we're looking at something like just working near a high wall, right? The fact that you're near somewhere where you could fall or near a body of water, or it could be something more um, specific like um, a mechanical failure um, or, you know, poor brakes or something Yeah. Um, in terms of the causes. And the initiating event is kind of like where everything comes out of control. So it might be loss of control of the vehicle. It might be loss of situational awareness. The operator loses their attention and then things kind of fall apart from there. Um, the initiating event could also be something like a mechanical failure. So you're driving along just fine and the brakes go out, you know, that caused basically you to lose control um, at that point. And then um, I mentioned the mitigative controls then come after sort of you're out of control or you're in this crisis stage, there are controls that can help mitigate the outcome. So it doesn't lead to a fatal accident or minimizes the damages. And so that's why it's called a bow tie because you've got all these causes on the front end you've got all your outcomes on the other end and they come together to sort of this one central initiating event um and it kind of looks like a bow tie when you mm. when you draw it out. so and you you must have looked at the m shaw fatal grams or i guess not all of them were all of them in your studies fatalities yeah, so we focused okay. on fatalities. We focused on just hall truck related fatalities that occurred in the U.S. So all of them were based on the MSHA fatal reports that were available. Yeah, so obviously MSHA goes in and investigates and looks at the cause and the effects and, and some remedies for that. Did, did you find in your research that you could build on what Emshaw had provided and get, even give some additional guidance? Yeah, I mean, so we tried to look at it kind of all together and um, add a little bit more. Emshaw does a good job at kind of outlining the facts of here's what happened. Um, and they come up with their sort of root cause or analysis, um, whatever, you know, they identify what the citations were. Um, and what we tried to do was read more into the narrative and take a little bit more out of it to identify, um, in this case, we were taking um, the tact of taking all possible causes. So while um, they're, you know, being near a high wall didn't cause you to fall off the edge, you know, it couldn't have happened yeah. without that, right? And yeah. And we were 
trying to dig more into the hazards and sort of understand sort of how things lined up, what was going on, what are these preventative controls that could be in place to look at the solutions beyond just here's the problems that they came up with. Um, and we looked at, you know, anything from site um, remediation to administrative policies to technologies that could be developed and just offering solutions in terms of how they fit. And for this particular paper, we used um, the immersed uh, nine level control uh, framework to sort of help make these ideas of controls more tangible to the industry. This framework is something that um, Immersed, which is uh, the Earth, Earth Moving Safety Roundtable, it's out of Australia, is pushing as well as the ICMM. And so, you know, they, they have adopted this framework and it helps communicate from OEMs and researchers to mine operators. So everybody's sort of talking the same language and, and it kind of breaks down with like um, site requirements, segregation controls, operating procedures, authority to operate, fitness to operate, operating compliance and, and reactive controls that actually come in. So that, you know, pieces of technology and just thinking about it that way and how mine sites can prepare and in their prep figure out, you know, how mature their control development is to be able to safeguard their sites. Mm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And was there any key takeaways that could be applied pretty broadly or was it pretty individual? Yeah, so I think um, one of the key takeaways that we got from this analysis was uh, that mines could really benefit from making sure that their low level controls are in place. And by low level, I mean, you know, the basics before you get into the fancy technology that will take over driving the car or anything like that. You know, how are your roadways? How is your maintenance? How is your design? Are they set up right? Is your system set up right? Do you have good signage? Mm, yeah. Are you guys following the policies and procedures that you have in place? Are your policies and procedures good? Do they fit everybody? Um, you know, and just sort of understanding that authority and fitness to operator kind of come into play too, where you know your employees work with them to make sure that, you know, they're able to do their job and they have all the tools and information they need to do their job. And I think that that kind of comes in first. And another takeaway, general takeaway that we got from this analysis was um, we really think that more research and kind of investigation needs to be done into operator decision-making. Mm. In the vast majority of these fatal accidents, some sort of policy and procedure was either inadequate, lacking, or violated. And oftentimes it's really easy to say, well, you know, you should have trained the operator better. And, um, you know, we are challenging the industry to not jump to that conclusion immediately because, you know, training is a secondary sort of control. Um, you know, sometimes it makes sense and you have to do that, but sometimes, you know, have you considered if the policy and procedure actually fits the situation? Is there a reason that the operator chose to make that decision um, or that's fitting? So it fits into a larger project that we're doing. We're actually doing interviews with um, operators as well as different levels of management maintenance to kind of investigate this further and sort of understand what could be going on at the heart of those sort of behavioral decisions. 
Um, unfortunately, with fatal accidents, quite often um, the operator themselves are the person that that passed away. So we're targeting yeah. sort of near misses, yeah, and to be able yeah. to follow up with people um, that way. So I think you know those are a lot of the takeaways from it. Um, you know, and and I think you know in the paper um, and in our research, we've identified. Op- you know, other specific opportunities that people can help address in order to, um, you know, to, to, to move forward. But I think, um, you know, they, they could become a little bit more specific to your mining and mining type, but our big thing is make sure your bases are covered, make sure you've got the basics down before you move on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. Yeah. We've, uh, covered a lot of ground today and I don't think of any other questions to ask you. Is there anything else from your research that you'd like to share with us? Um, yeah, I think, you know, another key point that I, you know, would encourage your listeners and, and people in the mining industry to consider is that accidents are really complex and often are a result of small hazards that compound on each other uh, to have catastrophic consequences. And so if we can fix something today, we're better off to do it than wait till tomorrow because you never know that one bump in the road might lead to somebody driving into another vehicle tomorrow, right? And, and, And just how, when you look at these pieces, they're just so so complex, but it's all these small pieces falling together. So, um, you know, take the time, fix it, get it done, you know, so everyone can go home safe at the end of the day is is really our goal. Yeah. And that, that kind of speaks to the importance of reporting the near misses as often as you're able to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they can really be informative and really help people because chances are you've had a lot of near misses before you've had a fatal accident um, in any one of these cases. So they're helpful, not necessarily punitive. Um, So being having a safe space to share and talk about that can be really helpful. Yeah, yeah. I know, uh, at least in the past, it has seemed like it was punitive to report on your, uh, for you to report on something that nearly went wrong for you. Mm -hmm. But it's certainly not meant to be a punishment for anybody. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Jenna, this has been really informative. And one of the reasons I have the podcast is so that I can get a little bit smarter every day. And and, uh, in that regard, you've certainly helped me there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. We love talking about our research and chances to do more and get feedback from everybody. So this is really a wonderful opportunity for us as well. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And is, is there any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to leave us with? You know, I, I would say that some of the things I've been thinking of, you know, with just everything changing in the world is um, just, just reminding everybody, you know, to do their best and be kind. We are all working, you know, so hard to, to help each other out. And whenever we can help somebody out, that, that's really wonderful. And so, um, you know, just uh, I remind everybody to take the opportunity to say thank you and help out and appreciate those who are helping you out because there's always those less fortunate. So, yeah, that's, feeling. yeah, those are really um, wise and, and kind words. I think we do need a little more 
kindness these days, especially as we try to rise from the ashes, I, I suppose you might say. That's right. Well, and, you know, everyone's doing such a good job at moving on and being strong. And, you know, I look for a very bright future. Um, yep, absolutely. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess maybe I've got one more question for you. What What's next for Jenica? Are you working on other research that might be topical and, and publishable? Yeah, absolutely. We're doing some, like I mentioned um, earlier, we're doing some really interesting work in talking to haul truck operators as well as management maintenance personnel to sort of get more to the bottom of people's expectations um, and just how people recognize hazards, which has been really interesting. We've done some deep dives into near misses. And um, on the other part of my interesting research, I do a lot of work in virtual reality. So um, related to haul trucks, we're actually turning some of these near misses into simulation videos, which will be available to the industry just sort of as training opportunities mm. to point out different hazards, kind of how they sequence together and how people think about that, um, which is neat. And we're also working on um, a piece or actually training for mine rescue teams, okay. um, which is really interesting. That's a collaboration we actually have with MSHA um, to develop. And, you know, Nash has been working in VR for, you know, two decades, three decades now. Um, and so this is kind of a culmination piece of this mine rescue training, which is really neat because you can get people together, um, whether they're together physically or not, and actually practice for the mine rescue community. So that's um, some training we're hoping to be able to release um, fairly soon. We're sort of finishing up the development and we'll be doing some testing and evaluation at mine rescue competitions when we're able to travel again. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. That yeah. sounds great. And when our conferences get back on track, you can go back to attending and, and spreading this kind of information in that way too. Yes, definitely. I look forward to it. Yeah. Well, Jenica, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and uh, I've, learned quite a bit from you and i look forward to uh seeing what you publish next well thank you so much thanks again brian yeah. i really enjoyed yeah. it absolutely absolutely and i'll let you get back to your busy day because i know you've got a lot of stuff in front of you <laughs> always yeah always <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks again jenica thanks Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.